Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to Daryl for 32 years, mom to eight kids, ages 17 to 30, Nana to seven, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I am also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, um, 31 Days in God's Word. This is a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschool moms, where I take passages of scripture um, that God has brought me to over and over to over again over the years um, and apply them. He's helped me apply them to motherhood and to homeschooling. And then my uh, most recent... Uh, publication is the four-hour school day. This was published by Zondervan. It's how you and your kids can thrive in the homeschool life. Um, that was a fun book to write. I, it was nice to be able to sort of expound on what God had on my heart. So if you haven't checked that out, I would ex uh, really encourage you to go and do that. So I'm excited today. Um, I have a few questions to start with. Um, I asked these in the last episode because this is a two-part um, series on eight great smarts for homeschoolers based on uh, Dr. Kathy Cook's eight smarts. And she's here with me today. But before we get started, I want to ask a couple of questions. Have you considered homeschooling your children? Maybe you aren't homeschooling quite yet, but you're like thinking about it. You're on the fence. Um, but what's keeping you from doing it is that you're overwhelmed thinking about how to teach them. Or maybe you're a seasoned homeschool uh, homeschooler, but you just cannot figure out how to get through to one or more of your children. Been there, done that. Um, maybe your child loves to build things but cannot sit still. How can you teach based on noticeable, unique strengths? So in the first episode, we talked about um, several things. Let me find my notes. <laughs> We talked about um, more more in detail about what eight great smarts were, and we talked about um, how to awaken um, these these smarts that are hardwired into our kids, the ones that are specifically you know kind of are going to help give direction on how we're going to teach them and maybe what direction they're going to take and how to grow those smarts. Um, we talked about how we discover our child's strengths and how do we help our child in areas of weakness. So if you didn't get a chance to listen to that episode, go back and do it. Um, today, I'm welcoming Dr. Kathy back again. Let me give you a quick little background on her in case you didn't listen to the first episode. She is the founder of Celebrate Kids, Inc., based in Fort Worth, Texas. She has influenced thousands of parents, teachers, and children in 30 countries through keynote messages, seminars, chapels, banquet talks, and other events. She is a regular speaker for CareNet, Summit Ministries, the Colson Center, and Teach Them Diligently. She is also a popular guest on Focus on the Family Radio, and she was featured in Kirk Cameron's movie Connect, and I'm running out of breath. She's also published five books with Moody. So Dr. Kathy, thank you for being with us again today. <laughs> you are so adorable. It is a joy to be here. Thank you for trusting me with your important listeners. Oh, well, I, these, I'm telling you, I do have some great listeners. I know you do on your podcast as well. I really, we, we value our listeners, don't we, Kathy? Yes. We, we don't need to be talking to ourselves. Good heavens. <laughs> That's for sure. I heard enough of myself. I, I need to talk to somebody else. So, so thank you moms for being here today. Um, all right. So I wanted to just, I actually want to read a little quote and I read it in the last, um, 
episode as well, but I just love it so much. Um, you said this, when I teach at homeschool conventions, I regularly say, you teach children, you don't teach math, reading, or Bible. Teaching them how to learn and to love learning will make them the leaders you want them to be. And understanding great smarts, that's what we're going to be talking about today, will help homeschool families accomplish these goals. Um, Again, I'm going back to that. You teach children, not math, reading, or Bible. I love that because we always tend to say, well, I'm teaching math right now. And it's like, well, actually, you were teaching children. (laughs) It makes a difference to teach children about math rather than to teach math. And you know, I love to say to people, if you ever lose sight of that, really quit your job. I, it's, it's got, it's got, and I'm not asking you to do that. You know, I'm joking, but, but it is, it's a, it's gotta be about the children. They're the ones who have to feel in the moment significant. It's not about performance. It's about learning. It's about the love of learning. And, and you and I have that in common for sure. Yes, we absolutely do. I, I know I was so, uh, thrilled when you texted me after you read my book and you were um, happy to endorse it and just the encouragement you gave me. And it's funny because, you know, I don't think it's mentioned in your bio, but you have a PhD. And what is that in? Is that in education? Educational psychology and reading. Okay. All right. So here is this woman who's been in the education field for decades. What is this, four decades now? Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> she's like, please, please don't say that. <laughs> no, um, but the experience that you have, um, this is something you've done full time all this time. And so all this experience, all this background. Um, and then, so it was very affirming to me as a homeschool mom with zero degree um, to have someone like you be so encouraging and just to say this message um, need, needed to get out. And And I guess when I shared it with my audience, I said, well, you know what? I just feel like I got my PhD in my children today. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, you know, I I appreciate that. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. working with you is is a total joy. Let me tell you, I mean, I I come from a public school background myself as a student Mm -hmm. and then taught in the public school system for four years, was a middle school, high school coach. I was a school school board member of a Christian school and I was a university professor. So I have spent, you know, many, many years in those traditional educational environments and 30 years ago started my ministry and we still do work in, in other school models, but we're huge fans of homeschooling. And one of the reasons is that because you teach children and because, you know, it's the, I love the bonding that takes place between parents and children, between children and their siblings. God ordained the family before he ordained the church. And You know, why send them off and separate them and have little in common to talk about at the end of the day? There are just so many reasons that right, that right. I and all of us at Celebrate Kids will advocate for the decision to homeschool. And so, uh, but I came kind of kicking and screaming. You know, I would admit to you that when I first began to see, you know, 15 years ago or so, really the, uh, the uptick and the numbers of people and I was getting invitations to speak and I thought, okay, do I have credibility there? Mm-hmm. And then looking at philosophy and then I discovered, oh my goodness, we actually have much in common. And if I, if I believe that you teach children, then I believe that you can teach children mm-hmm. and you can learn about science along with your kids. You can learn about nature along with your kids. You can learn about, you know, grammar along with your kids. And there's actually a benefit from that vulnerability and humility and accountability and everything that happens. I would be a wiser woman if I was a homeschool mom, because I'd actually want to learn about history and science. 
Right, right. You're so right. And so I I just found it interesting that, you know, I spent all those years homeschooling just my little brood. And then you spend these decades and we and we're really essentially landing in the same place, which to me says that something there's something valuable to that Um, because it's it's like um, I don't don't even know how to describe it. But I just when I started to hear you speak when I first was getting to know you and I was just like, wow, this, this woman, she, you have that, you may not have ever had children, but you have that nurturing nature in you. Mm -hmm. It's very strong. And, and so instead of nurturing your own children, you have just nurtured, nurtured thousands of others um, instead. And what a blessing for, you know, for all of them. So, um, so you can tell moms, I'm excited to have Kathy here today. So, (laughs) well, well, thank you, Dorinda. And, And let me say that I think there are many people in the other school models who are beginning to see the benefit yeah. of schooling yeah. and yeah. can't bravely speak up. Sometimes it's hard, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here and have, have the authority that I have to say, yes, as you have the authority you have to say, yes, you can do this. Right. And, and, you know, I just say all that to say to the moms that, who are at home, we, we, so many times we're dealing with feelings of inadequacy. And so I hope that what we've shared just in this introduction has been an encouragement to you that you can do this. And this is another thing that I love about Kathy is she's always just cheering you on. You can do this. You can do this. Um, but I love the way that you described, um, uh, you know, I think there's a, we had a question about, you know, homeschooling versus uh, schooling at home. Oh, yes. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? The, what you see as the difference? I think we've already kind of hit on that a little bit, but if you could expound on that a bit, that'd be great. Sure, for sure. Right. Schooling at home, emergency order, didn't want to do it. You right. weren't in control. You know, if if you're listening and you still have your children in a different school model, we get that. Right. You're not in control. You're you're having your kids do what somebody else has said they should do. And you might even know by observing that it's not essential or relevant or motivational or appropriate for their value system and all of that. So it's a forced upon you system that you're not in control of. You're not the authority. Um, you're the task manager. You're the red pen, you know, corrector, if you will. And it's not pleasant because you didn't choose it. And so there are people who you know, we're schooling at home thinking, oh, I could never homeschool because this was horrible. No, it wasn't ideal because, you know, they were on screen seven hours a day. And, and no, I, I could go on and on, you know, homeschooling, uh, educating your children at home, educating them at home means that you're the authority, you're in control, you're choosing, you know, curriculum, which isn't as important as choosing content. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, probably a whole other episode. But the idea that you have authority and you have the joy and you have the motivation and you have the delight. And it's about your values. And it's about mm-hmm. passing on who you are to the generations so that your family continues and there's agreement mm-hmm. and there, there's, there's, yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. So, so, so different. Yeah. I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about how um, even your own family culture is created um, and sort of refined. And especially if you're homeschooling, I, I feel like that gave us just this amazing opportunity to just create our own family culture. And it's, it's been the thing that's brought our adult children, um, you know, like maybe they went out and they were starting their career and we didn't hear from them a ton because they were busy or whatever. It's brought them back to wanting to be with this extended family, you know, on a regular basis. And um, what a blessing. What Would a blessing. you mind if I mention your daughter-in-law? 
Oh, no, go ahead. Who, as I understand it, was not um, thinking of having children, was right. not raised in a healthy uh, environment, was mm-hmm. assuming that she would never be a mom, and began to date one of your sons and mm-hmm. began to experience his nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. And the love that he had for the children and the love the children had for him, walking in a room and having them run to him, mm-hmm. you know, and she began to soften as she saw your extended family. And lo and behold, <laughs> she's now not only in favor, she's actually had a child, right? No, she hasn't yet. She hasn't yet. Okay. But they're she, headed in that direction. <laughs> but they're headed in that direction because mm-hmm. the family unit was transformative there. And that's really what it ought to be. I, I love that story. Right. And you know, it's, it was the same thing with homeschooling. She wasn't a fan of homeschooling either. Mm. And, uh, and now she's my social media manager. I mean, she is like, I mean, she's my greatest fan, you know? And is that because she saw not just that, that the son she married, but all your kids, not just that they're learned, but the character, right? And the joy oh, yeah. and the whole family dynamic, right? Well, she saw, moment, saw it all. I think what she saw as she heard the stories about what our homeschooling looked like and the lifestyle that our kids had um, throughout their childhood, she was like, man, you know, that would have been so great. I would have done this. I would have done that, you know? And so, um, so yeah, I think that really what sort of transformed her thinking about, about homeschooling. So I love that the freedom yeah. that you have as homeschooling families is a, is a beautiful thing because you can take the kids where you believe they ought to go and they can help take you where they want to go. If it fits yeah. within, you know, the, the ideas that you think are, are profitable. Right. Right. And, and I have learned and continue to learn so much from my kids because they're continuing to learn because they love learning. So they can, you know, so they're always new, you know, the whole time I was raising them and homeschooling them, I'm learning. And now I'm still learning as they're adults and they're, you know, we're, there's always these, this exchange of information. I mean, I ask them the same questions when they walk in the door as adults that I did when they were kids. And it's, you know, how are you doing? What have you been up to? And immediately they launch into, because that's, the nature of our relationship because that's the foundation we laid all those years. And so what they're really hearing from me is I, I want to know what, what you're doing, what you're doing matters. I value your ideas and your projects and, you know, all of that. Oh, my friend, they're hearing, I love you. Right. Exactly. And they're hearing, I, I care about your every day. And, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely. Because when we homeschool our kids, we know them and they know us. Right. And conversations become very real and it becomes about who you are and what you're learning and what you're feeling and what you're thinking, not simply, again, the performance, you know, show me your, show me your homework, show me your test. There's, and I'm not saying that that's irrelevant, but the the focus, right, can be so different. And that's Mm -hmm. especially helpful if you have a child who doesn't learn as easily as other kids where the other system is going to tear them down and break them down and they're going to feel stupid. And then they're going to underperform and potentially not discover who they could have been where the homeschool situation, because of the love that you have for your children and the, the strong motivation, the mama bearing you is going to help them succeed to the level that they're capable of much more so than a, a system across the road. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, back to that nurturing nature, I always encourage moms to, 
teach from that nurturing nature that they have for their kids instead of seeing themselves as, you know, the teacher at the front of the classroom and this exchange of information or this, you know, dissemination of information. Um, we're still sharing information, but there's so much more going on because there's relationship there. And I heard a pastor say recently um, that, uh, how did he put it? He said, um, information without instruction. And when he means instruction, he means like relationship type instruction, discipleship type instruction leads to provocation. Mm. It actually can cause our children to become angry. And I just thought that's really interesting. What does the Bible say? We're not to provoke our children to anger. And so that to me really brought to the forefront the importance of the relationship when it comes to uh, learning and our kids learning. And, and we've been talking about these um, eight great smarts and how we can help our children's, you know, uh, it, their areas of weakness and discover their strengths and and build those strengths. Um, and, and I think, you know, one of the things that I think is really a struggle for moms is curriculum. We tend, that's one of the number one questions that I get is, um, you know, when someone who's coming along who doesn't know me and they've just been introduced to me and they read maybe one post and they hear about the, you know, what seemingly successful, whatever. And, you know, um, I might be talking about the good relationship I have with my kids or, you know, how they weren't good at this thing. And, and then, you know, with patience and weight and just not, not pushing, but praying and whatever, you know, I'll be ta- sharing just a testimony and they'll ask me that question. What curriculum did you use? <laughs> and I just, I cringe because it's like, that's not, wasn't the point of the post, first of all, <laughs> <laughs> right? but everyone's looking for that answer, you know? And I, and we, we've, we, most of us have only been exposed to public school where there's a one size fits all curriculum. So I know you have a lot of experience with this. So share with us why it doesn't really work. Uh, right, <laughs> think, right. You know, maybe we just, sometimes we just need a refresher, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, first let me say that like you and I understand why they're asking the question. It is what they knew. Right. If, right. if a homeschool mom went to a public or private school, she was raised with curriculum. She had a reading book and a math book and spelling was from 12 to 1220. And then you did creative writing. And, you know, so that's the norm. That's what you think to do. We don't need to do it that way. Um, I remember teaching 28 second graders, you know, with a reading book. And it was, well, I would say hell on earth. I mean, it was, <laughs> I mean, this, the system is obviously broken and excellent mm-hmm. teachers can, can make it work better than mm-hmm. others, but it's very, very hard. So we teach children. We don't teach math. And furthermore, I would say that, Parents teach, books do not. Uh, mm. No, books don't teach. Now, you know, you could read my book and learn something. Um, how much more do you learn, though, when you're taught, right? So, Dorinda, if somebody has read one of your books and then they come to hear you speak, your speaking makes it come alive. Your mm. instruction and the wisdom you provide makes everything in the book stand out as much more relevant. So, it's the teaching um, that matters. Now, you know, there are people who home educate and they change curriculum every month. That's not necessary. I don't think it's healthy. I think it places blame in something that's it doesn't need to go there. We can adjust the way we teach. Mm-hmm. If you've done the very best that you know how to do to choose curriculum, and you base that decision based on maybe homeschool convention you attended and an exhibit hall you walked through and talking to your friends, I hope you talk to people who are a couple of years ahead of you and they've advised you on 
you know, your child is super creative, hands-on learner. This is probably a good math curriculum. If you've done the best that you know how to do to choose from different um, programs, you don't necessarily need to throw them all out when you have a bad day. Take a mental health day instead and go to the park, <laughs> you know, and, and stop wasting money and making it appear to be a curriculum issue. The advantages of these eight smarts that we wrote about in the two books is that you can adjust the way you teach mm-hmm. to the mind that your children have. And you can adjust according to your mind as well so that there's more joy and more success and, and a greater eagerness to learn. So, yeah, you know, and a lot of people don't teach with strong curriculum. You can teach with the library, although the library's gone mm-hmm. liberal. So I would certainly recommend purchasing great literature, real, real books. And using those, you know, you and Daryl educated with lots of time outside and that's totally appropriate. So um, it doesn't have to be, now there's certain, there's certain subject matter, right? There's language arts, math, science, the social studies, you know, you might want to teach health. Maybe you want to travel. So you want your kids to know a foreign language. There's certainly quick, there's, there's content areas that matter, but even a lot of those can be taught with experiences. They don't necessarily need to be taught with, um, curriculum that costs an arm and a leg. Right, right, exactly. And taking the curriculum that you already have and seeing if you can use that, I think is really, really wise. I would always, that would be the first thing that I would do when I was thinking about the upcoming school year is I would, I would look at what do I have and how can I make it work for, you know, whichever child. Um, that was really helpful. And then also I think another thing that we need to do is really um, make sure that moms hear the message that you don't have to do every single thing in the curriculum. <laughs> oh, preach it, sister. <laughs> yes. You, you, no, you don't. You can skip a story that's boring. Right. You, you've read ahead and you know that this story has no relevance to your nine-year-old right. and will actually make him hate reading. Why would you assign that? Right. And so when your son says, mommy, we skipped a story. You say, yes, because I know you well and I, 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 it's just not necessary. Now, if you want to read it, you know, during slow down time later today, go ahead. But no, take control. If your kid has already mastered, you know, the, the lower addition problems, skip the review pages that the curriculum comes with. Save them for a month from now when you want to review and make sure it's been retained. This is what I mean by teachers teach, books do not. You don't need to do every curriculum every day. You can do mm-hmm. science on Monday, Wednesday, and in yep. social studies Tuesday, Thursday, or a month of science and then a month of history if you want to. If you're overwhelmed mm-hmm. by a new baby and a sick in-law and the number of kids you have, oh my goodness, the freedoms that we have at home you know, you're make really- a huge difference. And the you're other thing really- I want to mention, if you don't mind, is that mm-hmm. another thing I love about teaching at home is the integration of the content areas. You know, back to my illustration in a in a different school system, we would do reading from nine to nine forty, and then spelling, and then creative writing, and then you know history and science and health and PE and whatever. But in reality, Dorinda, you and I make it all merge together, right. right? Right. And I mean, we might we might balance a checkbook if that's an old fashioned thing to do. We might get like later today, I might get a bank deposit ready, so I'll be in that math discipline, if you will, for twenty minutes. But most of reality is current events and history and scientific problem solving and, you know, creative thinking. We do it all as a merge. It's only in a school day that we have a time limit on how long we read. And, and right. now we're going to do math, whether you're in the mood for it or not. 
No, you know, if you know your kids, you know, don't like math, get it over with first thing or save it for after their favorite. Again, this depends upon so many factors, but I think the freedom that we have to um, merge them together Mm -hmm. is really important. So, you know, if your kids, I remember teaching second graders and uh, teaching a science unit on flowers. I have distinct memories of this. I'm not exactly sure why, but I taught, you know, the petal and the stem and the leaf and the vocabulary. And we talked about how, you know, the bumblebee and all of that. So the creative writing lesson that week was they had to pretend to be a flower. And I put on the chalkboard, the old-fashioned chalkboard, uh, words I thought they might want to use in the story. And we brainstormed that. And we brainstormed a couple of ideas. And then I gave them an hour to write and illustrate a story using the science vocabulary words. And it was so much fun. I I remember a kid who was a daisy in the back of a ball field and was terrified that the children were going to be good ball players and that a ball was going to come and knock him down. And there was another kid who wrote a story and he, she was a peony. And I, I actually loved the peony as a child myself and used that as an example, but peonies attract bumblebees. And so this little girl wrote a story about being a peony, but she didn't like that she liked bumblebees because the children would never come and play by her. Now these were creative stories. I still remember this it was 40 years ago, Wow! but they, but they took science and they used it with creative writing and it, it, it was a valuable thing. And that's what we can do more often at home, which makes it all more real because you and I are passionate that they would love learning. And part right. of that is applying what they're knowing in a way that's unique. Absolutely. And the way that we know how to do that, the way that we get our direction, I believe, is by being a student of our children. Mm. So talk to us a little bit about how we can do that. Because we, we we use that phrase. I use that phrase a lot. I try to stop and explain it sometimes. But I think um, I'd love to hear you expound on that a bit. Yeah, it's so interesting. I wonder what you would say. You know, the first thing that comes to mind if we want to really be students of our students is to slow down and quiet down. Mm-hmm. Uh, two things that are really hard. And I really mean it. Like you sit down in the playroom, just sit in a, in a chair. Mm-hmm. And just observe, you know, how are they, how are they interacting? What's their vocabulary like? You know, what really drew their attention? Why do they spend so much time trying to, you know, use the hammer and the play bench, you know, versus the kid who was, you know, on the, the play symbols or whatever. So pay right. attention, slow down uh, and, and listen with a heart to understand. Mm-hmm. Listen mm-hmm. longer. We all mm-hmm. could be better humans if we would listen longer and, and we don't communicate to be understood, but we communicate to understand. I think, um, so looking and listening and being willing to experiment. We, we become students of our students by being willing to experiment. You know, maybe we assume that a kid isn't going to like the park, but lo and behold, loves it for this particular reason. Maybe we assume that these types of books our oldest or youngest won't enjoy, but lo and behold, he or she does. And we, we would have missed a great opportunity. So I think we become careful of our assumptions. You know, they're created in God's image, not our image. And so they will be unique. And just because Mm -hmm. something worked for the oldest doesn't mean it'll work for the middle. So being open to the experiment, even though that can be costly with our time and even costly with our attitudes, I suppose I would say at times. Mm -hmm. So being open to things. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I was, um, everything you said was exactly what I was thinking. And I would add to that asking questions. Oh yes. Good. That's something that, that was a very valuable tool for me just in conversation, you know, I'm there making lunch or whatever. It, it always came off as very casual. 
you know, and so they were relaxed. They didn't feel like I, they were being, you know, interrogated or tested, or there was a right or wrong answer. And that worked. That was a great place, you know, over making peanut butter and jelly, or maybe they're helping me with it. You know, um, they could be, we could be making a meal together or we could be doing a project together that doesn't require, you know, um, a a bunch of focus. Um, But just to, invite them into conversation a lot. So I love that to be genuinely interested, to be genuinely interested. And when they, when they're raised with that, Mm -hmm. um, then it's not the interrogation on the red pen. And and the other reason to ask questions, Dorinda, is that they will ask us questions. Right. It's because it's not just about us getting to know them. It is really about them getting to know us. Mm -hmm. Mommy, Mm -hmm. why did you ask that? Why is that important to you? We we get to share our values and our insights and our wisdom in those conversations. So to use, to use that time really well. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting because now that my kids are adults, um, I find them, you know, things flip on me a lot now. (laughs) (laughs) So when I'm, you know, when I'm struggling or I'm sharing a struggle or whatever, They'll ask me questions, and sometimes I recognize those questions. <laughs> I was like, I know where you learned to ask that question, <laughs> but I, but it's 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 like a completely new thing for me to have to answer it. But it's so good because um, it makes them such good friends and actually good counselors. Sometimes it's crazy. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, and it connects them with their siblings again because mm-hmm. they overheard those conversations at the lunch table and in the right. car on the way to the park or the ballet lesson yeah. or whatever. And so now, you know, they know each other and this is what we want, right? Is that the family would bond and that the family would stay connected. Love that. Absolutely. Yeah. Our son, uh, real quickly in closing, I want to share a quick story. Our son, who is a software engineer, he works for Amazon and uh, he lives in Denver and uh, he started college at 16 and finished at 21 and then started his career immediately. And he was so he essentially kind of left home at 16. I mean, really, he was there, but he wasn't there. And um, so he kind of missed those last couple of years at home, sort of kind of the finishing part of when you would normally have that child at home. And um, so he had just launched into his career and we moved across the country and just, you know, we didn't see him a ton. We'd see him a couple of times a year or whatever. And then it turned out um, that I, I realized, I realized now um, he started to spend, a, he took some time off and he spent a bunch of time here with us and with the family at a completely new season. So now we're in this, he didn't, he didn't really know us in this new season with most of his siblings being adults. So when he came and hung out with us for several months between jobs, um, it's like he found his place again in this season of life. And, and now he, he lives in Denver, but he's coming back like right recently, once a month. Um, the next time he comes at the end of the month, he's coming for two weeks because it allows him to have a lot of re- do remote work. Cause he's working from home anyway. And he's kind of established a rapport there at his new job at Amazon. And they're kind of like, yeah, we don't care where you do your work, you know, just as long as it gets done. And uh, so, yeah, so it's been fantastic to, you know, have him, uh, he's investing in some property here and just, so he's, and he, it's a project with his brother. And so that relationship is really, you know, 
it's picked back up and there's just, they're, you know, doing projects together. Anyway, all that to say it, it started back then there was, there was a little bit of a, you know, a gap in a time of him getting his career started. And now it's kind of circled back around to, he loves being with the extended family and, and we love having him around. So well, Just your a- heart must be singing. That's it is. It's that's great. beautiful. You know, every, when people ask me, Kathy, what are the advantages of homeschooling? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the first things I say is the family relationship. Absolutely. You know, social skills with multi-generations. Yes. I think it's a huge reason to homeschool your kids. And then specific would be the um, relationships that you can develop within the home. And there could be hard days. You know, when a younger yeah. kid advances yeah. above an older kid academically, it's stressful. When you have a kid on the spectrum and the other kids are there, it's stressful, mm-hmm. but it's less stress than if you had them in a different system. I it, agree. It's, it's a different kind of busy. It's a different kind of stress. And what you just told us, I mean, come on, that should give every mom and dad hope that the relationship will continue on. And that, mm-hmm. that's what a beautiful thing. I'm so proud of him for wanting that yeah. and that he would see what he's missed out on and that he, he craves that. I think we all crave that. Right. And and he could have just gone on with his career and that would have been fine. You know, we would have seen him. I mean, he he, he visited fairly regularly, but it was only like a few times a year. And, and now we're seeing him so much more frequently. And um, and you can just see the joy that he has just being with all of us. And um, because and I and I really believe because that foundation was laid years ago when I slowed down, like you mentioned, was a student of my kids, was working to help them have good relationships, which, you know, I had to learn. I had to learn what does it look like to help them through these conflicts. I wasn't the perfect conflict resolution person to start with, but I thought, you know, these are my kids. I want them to have good relationships. I'm going to learn. And so I did. And we went to the scripture a lot and, um, and we just learned from there, tried to keep it simple. But at the end of the day, the goal was, you know, I I said to all of them, you're going to have friends and you'll have a few that'll stay your friends for a really long time, but most friends are going to come in and out of your life, but you all are going to have each other forever, you know? So good. So, um, so I guess I want to leave that word of encouragement, um, with you moms that again, you know, the educational piece is important, but this is part of their education. All the things that our kids learn as they're learning to, um, resolve conflict. And as we're, we're being a family, a healthy family life, and we're building a healthy family life, these are actually those soft skills, I guess, that they would call them, um, that have benefited our kids more than any head knowledge I ever gave them. And, uh, so, yeah. So I want to just leave you with that. It's so good. So good. Mm -hmm. Watching, you know, watching an older kid help a younger kid, Mm -hmm. watching, you know, a younger kid teach an older kid about the bluebird, which they just fall in love with. I mean, Mm -hmm. We could go on and on, but there's mm-hmm. there's such mm-hmm. beauty there. It there is, is and so much of my kids, especially the younger kids, um, education 
came from watching and listening to and being instructed by without knowing that they were being instructed by their siblings, not me, them. You know, oh, I learned that they would tell me some detailed fact about something. And I'd be like, where did you learn that? And they said, oh, Jake told me about that. Or Ben told me about that. Or Ben was doing this really interesting thing. So I was watching him and I saw this, this and this. So, you know, it's it's just family life is such a great place to. I want to be a part of your family. (laughs) You are a part of our family, Dr. Kathy. That's adorable. (laughs) And and I have a a wonderful family. Um, But Mm -hmm. what. You know, what an encouragement. And mm-hmm. and it is possible, you know, some people listening may have to do some hard work to turn a corner right. and, and develop what you and I have described. It's more likely to happen if you homeschool your kids. And mm-hmm. it's more likely to happen if you're a strength-based mom rather yes. than looking all the, all the time for weakness. And so I think we've yes. taught some things yes. that hopefully they'll take to heart and we'll hear I back that, that it was effective. What a joy to be with you. Yes. And thank you for being here. And you just reminded me, I have just a little something before we go. I think moms think also about reading eight great smarts in terms of yourself and how that might help you understand how you learn and maybe even how you teach. What do you think, Kathy? Yeah, actually, it's a very good point. If a mom is doubting whether or not she can do this or you know, she doesn't enjoy the logic, smart discipline that the, the daughter or son might enjoy. The book will help you connect right. to your own inner self. And it will give you hope if you have never felt of yourself as being smart. This book will, mm-hmm. will teach you that you're actually smarter than you think you are. And there can be great hope in that. And it will help okay. you teach the subject matters that are more challenging for you to teach for sure. Thank you. I love that because I always say an encouraged homeschool mom is a better homeschool mom. Mm. And so I think she's, I I think that many of our moms could benefit greatly from um, reading eight great smarts. And of course, coupling that with eight great smarts for homeschoolers. So thank you for being here today and sharing your heart and these great tools and encouragement. Um, We so appreciate it. Well, it's a joy to be here for sure. Thank you. Well, we'll go ahead and we will, um, I'll say a quick word of prayer and we will include all the connection information for Dr. Kathy in the podcast notes. So be sure to check those out. Um, Lord, we thank you for this time together today. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for these children you've given us. God, blessings from you. Thank you that you don't call the qualified, you qualify the called. And I can say here, here to that because um, that was me and it still is me. And Lord, I thank you that you qualify us along the way. God, we can trust you for that day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, but help us to be found faithful to continue to invest wisely into our kids. Thank you for these wonderful tools that you've given us today and the encouragement in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. 